So last week we talked about the idea that one circumstance can happen. So a situation in your life can happen. And I'm sure right now many of you have got situations happening in your life. And I mean from anything. It could be a new job, a new relationship. It could be the breakdown of a relationship or the firing of a job. It could be a health issue. It could be anything. There are many circumstances and situations and happenings that happen in our life every single day. And then there are different narratives or perspectives that can be drawn from that circumstance that happens. And sometimes people try to superimpose onto your circumstance a narrative that may not be true. It may not be what God is actually doing in your life. You may have heard a story or have been told something from someone that said, you'll never achieve this. And they say that because they think based on the information they have, not being able to have access to the internals of who you are and how God wired you and who God created you to be. And then they try to declare something over you. And because we might not know what God says about us, what do we do? We buy into a narrative that's not from God. And now we're believing something and praying for something that didn't come and is not true. And so we're waiting on a promise from God that is not the solution to what God has for us. You know, for example, I can give you a real good example right now. Let's put a picture of me up on the screen from about one month ago. Very handsome. So you can look at that picture and you can draw from that, that that is, and this can be a narrative, a very handsome Christian Christ-like, Jesus look-alike, man of God, you may ask yourself, I wonder what that guy does for a living. Well, the answer is anything he wants to with a beard like that. That's one narrative. Well, I could walk down the street. Men can stop me and high five me and say, good beard, good job. I don't know how your wife lets you do that, but good job. <laughs> that can be one narrative. But then there can be others in the room, Ellie, who see a dirtier than a dog <laughs> hair. <laughs> hairy, unhygienic, <laughs> and finally, what Ellie mostly sees, as she kept on repeating to me, is an unkissable face. That's what Ellie sees. Okay. All right, you can take that down now. <laughs> Come to think of it, actually looks pretty horrible, doesn't it? <laughs> but you can draw two completely different narratives from one photo, from your Facebook profile or your Instagram profile. People can look at you and draw a story, make up a story. And here's a very real one. And this happens all the time. This must happen to us, me every other day is we can pull up to a traffic light and there's a homeless person. And I can tell a narrative and I'm not saying to not have grace or compassion for someone who is begging on a street corner, but we can pull up to that traffic light and we can tell ourselves a narrative that that person came on hard times. They must have had a medical emergency and they lost everything. And that can be the story. And out of that narrative that we potentially made up, we can give them money, which could be a good thing. Or another narrative could be that that person got involved with the wrong crowd, started getting involved with things that they shouldn't get involved with, and now taking things that they shouldn't take, and now they're stealing things, and, and there's another narrative that someone else can make up, the very next person at the next set of traffic lights. And yet, how, 
uh, what what's true and where do we get these narratives from? And often I think sometimes the narrative is made up from our emotions, how we emotionally feel about that situation, the circumstance. But I don't know if we should draw from our emotions, maybe from our intellect. We look at the, the signs, the circumstances, and we say, well, this, 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 this. But I think we should get our narrative from God. I think we should allow God to dictate what the narrative is. And when God is in control of the narrative, then our prayers become sharper. Our prayers hone in and become wiser because now we're praying in the flow of what God is doing, not what I'm trying to get involved with and mess up. Now, I believe God's on our side and God hears the deepest cries of our heart, but he's not going to answer prayers that will take us away from an intimate relationship with him. He's not going to provide things that will ultimately cause separation. God wants to bring us closer together. I mean, if you're a parent, and here's the point reinforced over and over again, but if you're a parent and if you've been a parent long enough of young kids, you just, this is kind of, tell me if I'm right, this is how it goes. First comes the sound of a loud bang, thump or smash. That's what you hear when you're sitting down watching TV. Then comes the sound of a really loud cry. Then comes the sound of a stampede of little feet from wherever that sound was to wherever you are and those feet are going to find you because it's two people. Then follows through tears and screams uh, is two very different but equally passionate narratives about what just happened. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The kids are run. He did this. He said that. No, he didn't. He did this and he did that. And so what do you have to do? You have to go into detective mode and then you have to put one child in one room and you have to put another child in the other room and then you interview each child for 15 minutes, asking specific questions, drawing out details. What did he say? Then what happened? And then we all say this as parents, don't lie to me. I'll find out. And of course, there's absolutely no possible way to find out, but don't lie to me. And they sit there and you try to work out because you want to discover what the correct narrative is. I would love to suggest that we would take the time to maybe relook at the narratives in our life right now and ask, are they aligned and in the flow of what God's doing, of what God's original plan and agenda is for my life? Because if they're not in that alignment and not in that flow, then consequently, you could be going against the narrative of what God has for you. Now, some people have a narrative. I think the world has a narrative. I think the media has a narrative. I think social media has a narrative. I think our family at times through our life and the relationship has a narrative. I think within a marriage, a narrative can be created. But there's also another two people that very clearly and very strongly have a narrative for your life. And this is the idea that God has a narrative for your life and the enemy has a narrative for your life. He has a narrative. In fact, we can see it. This message, by the way, is all building up to one scripture. I've got about three or four, but it's building up to one scripture that if you allow it can really alter the way that you think and the way that you live your life and the way that you make decisions. In Revelations 12, 10, it's not this scripture. This one's paraphrased, but this is a great scripture. It says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth 
the one who accuses them before God day and night. He's spinning a narrative about you day and night. And not only is he spinning a narrative to God about you, he's spinning that narrative to you about you. He's trying to convince you that you're not good enough. He's trying to convince you that you're not worthy. He's trying to convince you that you need to try to sin less because I guess grace don't count and you need to work harder because I guess grace isn't sufficient to be able to be in good standing with God. He's trying to convince you before service started today, don't come to church. You don't belong. You don't fit in. He's trying to convince you, and these are the narratives that continually play over in our heads, is that everyone at church is perfect and I'm not, and I don't belong there. He's trying to convince you in worship to keep your hands down, do not lift them up. Don't be free in worship. He's trying to convince you that it's not God's voice that's speaking to you. That's just your voice. That's just you saying what you want. You're making this stuff up. That's what the enemy's narrative is. And so we get caught in this place where we start to, if we're not careful, measure those narratives against the truth of God's word, God's promises that have been declared over us whilst we were knitted in our mother's womb. He knew the plans that he has for us, but we can sometimes be distracted and end up buying into a different narrative. And why does that matter? Because once you believe in a narrative that is not true, it will change the way you pray. It will change what you pray about. It will change what you pray for. I don't want to diminish anyone's faith, but I believe that if we get sidetracked and buy into a narrative that's not God, then all of a sudden we can become completely frustrated in our relationship with him. It becomes awkward. It becomes hard. It becomes forced. It becomes uh, not fake, but it becomes uh, this uh, artificial where I'm trying to make this thing happen. But whereas I, I feel like if we believe in God's narrative from his word about our lives, then we become freer. We become more open. I believe we become more vulnerable in who we are in our relationship with Christ. And uh, listen to this one. This is an interesting fact. Right now in America, I guess this is something that must have come up on my Google because it must be tracking me, my every move. I think tracking us. I think that's really happening, but... I'm somehow I'm getting all this medical stuff come up on my Google at the moment. But the Food and Drug Administration estimates that 1.3 million people are injured by medica medication errors annually in the US, in the US alone. 1.3 million people get the wrong medication every year in America. Wow. Think about that. I would not want to be taking the wrong medication for an issue that I've got going on in my life because that can cause harm. Just like that, I would not want to be believing in the wrong narrative about my life, meaning that I'm praying and waiting on God for something that's not happening and questioning God because it's not taking place when that's not the narrative at all, when it's completely different. You know, I think uh, uh, sometimes yeah, we've, uh, like I said before, uh, we can be praying for healing. God, why aren't you healing me? You know, if you buy into God's narrative, and I'm not trying to diminish anyone's faith here, but maybe God 
is gonna use that sickness. I'm saying he caused you to be sick, but I'm saying maybe God is gonna use that sickness so that you're gonna meet a doctor and have a God conversation. And you're wondering why he hasn't healed you yet. You know what, I, I think one of the best moments about being in hospital was when we were talking as a family, we were sitting there and meet, meet, met one of the young nurses and just everyone always asks the what do you do question. And, and for us, the answer to that usually pushes people away or draws them in. And uh, there was this one young girl and it was, who was one of my nurses and, and we just said, we're pastors and that. And out of nowhere, Beckett goes, you need to come to our church. <laughs> really passionately, you need, and he's only eight, nine years old, you need to come to our church. And I promise you, last Sunday, he came in here and he was walking around looking for her to make sure that she came to church because he was so proud that he invited someone to church. You know, and if it was, and if it was just for that moment that I had to go through that little mess for Beckett to be able to rise up in faith and ask someone to come to church, God can draw purpose out of anything, can't he? How awesome is God? See, we pray, please God fix this or heal that. But God says, learn this. I want to teach you that. You know, maybe some of you have been believing for a house. Maybe the reason why God hasn't blessed you yet for a house is because God knows that there's going to be a God conversation with your landlord. And that's God's narrative. Isn't it funny? We just so make everything about me. And we make it all about us, not about what's God's narrative. Maybe God's got a great conversation that you get to have, the privilege of having. Maybe, you know, you're frustrated with your car and it breaks down and you don't like it. And then you, you, you haven't got the financial means right now to be able to get a new car. And so you've been believing and praying for a new car. Well, if I would just encourage you to get on with God's narrative. What is God doing? Seek it out. Ask questions. It's not... God, this is what I want. God, what do you want? And God is so faithful. Here it is, Luke 22, 42. This is the scripture that changed my life when I first read it. Father, if you were willing, this is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying and we know that he's about to go to the cross. He doesn't want to go to the cross. We can see that from this scripture, yet willing. It says, Father, if you were willing, Please take this cup of suffering away from me. You know, that's the first thing we all pray when things go wrong. God, I don't like this. This hurts. Or God, why did that happen? And we get so frustrated. Or God is trying to teach us something we're supposed to be going through. So it says here, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want your will. Jesus prayed this. He, he, he even said, I don't like this. I don't want to go through this. Please take what I'm about to go through away, but not my will, but your will. What was he saying? Not my narrative. I want your narrative. I wonder what prayers we need to pray in our life right now, instead of being frustrated with the current narrative, to say, God, not my will, how are you going to use this for your kingdom, for your glory, so you get the credit because it's not all about me? The enemy says, you're not good enough. So you pray, God, make me better. But God says, I made you righteous. He made you righteous. It's not about you. It's all about God. Now, I think 
we need to be reminded that we are in a spiritual battle. You, me, every single person in this room, we are in a spiritual battle. And if the, at the end of the day, when everything is said and done and it comes down to me standing before God in heaven and I have to give an account for the gifts, the talents, the resources, the revelation and the relationships that I have because those are the things that I'm going to stand with before God. And as I'm standing there, I have to give an account. I won't have to give an account for my sin because Jesus saved me from my sin. But I will have to give an account for my gifts, my talents, my resource, my revelation and my relationships. What did I do with the time that I was here, the gifts and the talents that I had with my resources? How did I use them to what mattered most, not to me so that I lived comfortably and easy, but what matters most to God because He thinks eternally, not just temporally for the here and now. And what matters most to God is that we know Him. We need to know Jesus so that we can have salvation and relationship with Him. And then once you're on that journey, in a relationship with God, at some point you'll discover that it's actually about making Him known. That Jesus didn't save you, He just saved you, He called you to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And that's sometimes not the most comfortable thing. Although it's awesome that we get to do it in our air-conditioned cars. When Jesus said it to disciples, they actually had to walk into all of the nations and go and reach the globe for Jesus Christ. And then it's not it's about uh, me knowing God and, and making Him known. And then it's also about building His church. That's the bride of Christ. It's what He's returning for. This is what matters most when I stand before God, with my gifts, talents, resources, revelation and relationships. When I stand there and God says, uh, I, I'm there to give an account. How did I help know God and make Him known, build His church and finally bring heaven to earth? How did I, like when Jesus prayed, and he gave that prayer and he said, Our Father, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that as men and women of God, we're not just saved, we're called to bring heaven to earth. We're praying for heaven to show up on earth. What does that mean? I'm not, it's not, it doesn't mean that there's a complete restoration of earth. It doesn't mean that it's the fullness of what heaven is. It means that in the little situations that I go through, I'm going to pray heaven into that. You know, my life's not going to be perfect, but when things get messy, I'm going to pray heaven into that and say, God, you come into that circumstance. This is why this is so important when it comes to allowing God to dictate and control the narrative because we can get emotionally tied up in this process. I want to say is that our faith comes from our theology. Where does our faith come from? It comes from our theology. Faith is not a response, just a response to a circumstance. Say someone gets sick. My faith doesn't come from their sickness. My faith comes from my theology. And the scripture says, and you can see it on the first one, it's uh, Romans 10 uh, verse 17. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's where my faith comes from. Another translation, which I think is the Passion, says in the same uh, scripture, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus. That's where the source of my faith comes from. So we have to ask ourselves that question, are we getting our faith from our emotions? Are we getting our faith from our intellect? Or are we getting our faith from our theology? 
Are we getting it from scripture? Is that is what stirring up our faith. So when we have that faith to the different stuff, the different narratives that are playing out in my life, I'm not reactive, but I'm actually able to go, Holy Spirit, okay, this is what's happening. This is theology, the truth of your word. This thing right now that I've got, it's not lining up with what your word says, with how my life should be. Now I know how to pray. Now it's not prayers out of, well, this thing in your life right now is because you did this and you suck and you're a bad person. And this, this thing going on right now is because you made bad financial decisions. But, but if you compare it from your EQ and your IQ, if you go, well, you get all emotionally tangled up, my relationships always seem to break down because I just don't think I'm a good person or I'm nice. Well, you're drawing that emotionally or maybe intellectually, but let's not draw it from there. Let's go, God, what does theology say? That I am beautifully, fearfully and wonderfully made. I added beautifully there. Scripture says fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) It comes from my theology. So now I know how to specifically pray whenever circumstances come up So I'm not like this double-minded man, blown and thrown from left to right. Right now, some of you are going through trials, but you have to ask yourself this question, are you emotionally reacting to that trial or are you seeking truth from God's word, which is the only foundation that you can stand on that is stable through a storm? It is the only foundation that you can step up to the next stage of what God has for you because it is from a place of truth. It is from a foundation of Jesus Christ who is the foundation of our faith, the cornerstone of our faith so that we can go through the seasons of our life praying wise prayers from God's word, not just, oh God, why did you allow that to happen to me? Why did this thing take place? God, How come that person gets blessed and gets favoured and gets the opportunity, but I've been so faithful? Well, that's just such an insecure emotional reaction to looking at it from an intellectual perspective without going, God, I want to see your favour and I want to see your promises come to pass. I'm going to claim them in Jesus' name. And instead of me speaking out my fear and my frustration, I'm going to speak out the truth of your word. I'm going to declare your word. So therefore I can have the breakthrough that God's called me to have. You know, I think sometimes God doesn't give you the blessing, the breakthrough, the house, because why? God's got a narrative and he's more interested in teaching us something so we don't have to go from crisis to crisis. He wants to build that wisdom, that maturity into our life so that we don't just, uh, uh, I've always got this new thing. Have you ever met someone like this? Always something new going on. There's always something crazy. Everything's upside down and nothing's making sense. And, and, And I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying that the person caused it all necessarily. Sometimes we can just go through hard stuff and have a hard run. But you know what's stable? You know what keeps us strong? You've seen people, no matter what they go through, it's like all hell is breaking loose, but they're just so strong. They're just so stable and mature. They're so faithful. You know what what they are? They're joyful. Even in the midst of pain, they're joyful. Why? Because their foundation is truth. They're drawing their prayer life, their faith, and from their theology, and they're coming from that place of 
Only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can give you the breakthrough. So I wonder right now, what, do you, what have you gone through that affected you, that turned you upside down, that made you question God, that made you question church, made you question all this stuff, caused you to be torn emotionally inside? Surrender that stuff and say, God, what do you say about me? What do you say about that situation from Scripture? Now, I could be here, and it's impossible to do a sermon uh, on what God says about you because there are thousands of promises in Scripture that have been declared over you already. I believe that God this morning will reveal to you in Scripture the promises that He has for you, and you will be able to draw from them, and you will be able to open up your heart to receive them. But I want to encourage you this morning to have to let go, make room, get rid of the old stuff, and allow God to transform and renew your mind so that you can be on a foundation of faith to be able to pray prayers that align you to the truth of what God says about you, not how you feel about you. How you feel is great and it's nice, but what God says about you matters more than what you think about you and what you feel about you. Amen? Do you receive the word this morning? There's a lot, a lot in that one, I, I know, and that, that God can minister to our hearts and, and minister uh, through us. But I want to encourage you this morning is to allow God to get that narrative uh, in line with God's story about your life. You know, it's really cool. I think there's been seasons in my life, things that I've gone through that I was like, why on earth, God, did you allow that? All the people, I, I felt like, my childhood youth ministry, it felt like to me, it's not true, but I felt like it was, I had it 10 times harder than everyone else. Everyone else got the opportunities. Everybody else got respect and the honor. I didn't have the relationships or the connections. And all these years later, God has used that to now put me in a place where it's a privilege for me to be here and understand the process of God. He used those things. You know, I was like, I would, when I was young, I wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to preach. And I'd go to, we'd go around the room and share, I want to be a preacher one day. I think it would be awesome, you know, to serve God in that capacity. That's awesome. Can you help us do sound? Did you not hear what I just said? I want to, or can you help us do chairs? I think I'm one of the best chair ministers in America right now. <laughs> years and years. It's so funny though, that all these years later now, I'm able to help in what God's called me to do with the sound. I'm able to help playing guitar in the band, set up chairs, I'm able to help serve and make, help make our church website, all these different things that I'm able to do because God didn't let me do the preaching. He, he provided a foundation so that one day I could go and plant a church with Ellie and do what God's actually called me to do. Right now, you might be going through some stuff and you're questioning it, but God's got a narrative. He's got a narrative for you and it is, and it is plans for good, not for evil. And it's plans to take you forward for a hope and a future. God wants to bless you. But right now, he might be withholding the blessing because he's trying to teach you the wisdom of what to do with the blessing when you get it. God is so gracious and so kind. What is his narrative right now?